welcome to another episode of the Next Woman Up podcast. Um, it is just Carly today. I'm doing this one solo. Um, we're definitely missing G. Um, I think that she's in mourning because her Tar Heels didn't make the tournament, but um, <laughs> she will be back with us next week. And with that, happy March Madness to all who celebrate. Um, March is also a very fun month for me too, because it is my birthday month, um, turned the big two seven this year, which is super exciting. Um, but before we get into our title topic, I want to kind of cover a few things that have happened recently in sports. Um, first of all, obviously as we said, March Madness tournament is going on. And I'm recording this on Friday. Game started yesterday. And there's already been a ton of upsets on the men's side. Um, big one being Princeton, uh, which was definitely shocking. Um, and a lot of people's brackets are already busted. I think that there are only 0.003% of brackets that still have a shot, which is crazy to think about. And I always think about who those people are that actually got the bracket correct. Um, either they're some crazy experts or maybe they have some wild equations that help them figure it out or they just got lucky. Who knows? Um, also, the World Baseball Classic is going on. So for my baseball fans that are excited for the MLB season, well, we've gotten a little taste of some great baseball, seeing some of our favorite MLB players playing for their countries, home countries, um, a lot of players playing for the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, and also the USA teams. Um, as fun as the World Baseball Classic is, um, there was some very disappointing news for Mets fans. Diaz, who is our star closer, who we recently inked in the offseason. He was playing for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic and in their big win over the Dominican Republic during the celebration he got hurt. He had to be taken off in a wheelchair and we got some very unfortunate news that it is a patellar tendon injury and he will be sidelined for about eight months so he will miss the whole season. I mean the hope is we get him back if and, you know, the goal, of course, is that we make it to playoffs and we get him back there. It's obviously super upsetting. Um, first of all, hate to see players get injured. Second, just sucks for Mets fans in general. Um, he's clearly an irreplaceable player. That's why we decided to sign him instead of trying to keep DeGrom because we found that DeGrom was probably more replaceable at this point. But Diaz is arguably the best closer in the game right now. So to lose him is really disappointing. Um and hopefully we're able to play well enough and that our starters pitch well enough that and that the guys who you know play in his shoes play well enough that by the time we make it to the playoffs he's able to come back healthy and and win some games for us um just just what happens to Mets fans as usual but what I really want to talk about today is a very, very exciting time in the NFL. Free agency free agency is a, just a very, very exciting time. Anything can happen. Crazy trades happen. 
guys that you didn't expect to get picked up by certain teams happen. Huge contracts happen. Um, it's just just this madness um, for a couple of weeks, which is super fun time. Um, and there's lots to be talked about, lots to be broken down. So I want to get into that with all of you guys. So going to start with my favorite, the Giants, of course. So to start off, let's talk about Daniel Jones. The Giants signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract. That comes out to $40 million a year. Do I think that Daniel Jones is worth $40 million? No. Um, however, he was asking for even more than that, 45 Um, he, There were some reports that he was asking for even more than that. I do think that the fact that we landed him at 40 is pretty much on par with what the market is dictating these days. As I said, do I think he's worth $40 million? No. He had a good year um, last year and we're extending him with the hopes that on his potential essentially but the thing with QB markets is the market is just dictating higher numbers in general so the market skews what these contracts are going to push out so it's what it is Um, honestly I think the way it was structured it did very well for the Giants I think the Giants did a very good job at structuring it, even though they knew that they were going to have to dole out a lot of money. So, yes, it is a lot of money, but honestly, who else were we going to get? And if we were to sign someone else, whether that be like a Derek Carr, he would be pulling the same amount. So we have our quarterback for the next few years. Hopefully he continues to play to the top of his game. Um, There's been word that he's been putting on some weight. So, you know... the thought that is he going to start looking more like a Josh Allen? Is that what Dable wants? Remains to be seen, but I don't dislike the move. I think a four-year contract is okay. If it was five, I would have been not happy with that, but I think this is okay. And then, of course, the big, big move that the Giants made that I think was kind of a surprise to a lot of people around the league is the trade for Darren Waller. And... The Giants end up trading the compensatory third-round pick that they got from trading Kadarius Tony earlier this year to the Chiefs. So they basically kind of flipped that and got Darren Waller for it. Um, Darren Waller is a beast when he's healthy. He's 6'6", 255 pounds. He can move. He can block. So he basically can play as a blocking tight end and as a receiving tight end. He can go on the outside. He can play in line. Um He's extremely versatile, and he's very, very strong. And I think that he can be a great weapon in this offense, but he just really needs to stay healthy, especially because there is a pretty price tag on him at $17 million, and that was the contract that we inherited from the Raiders. However, just this morning, the Giants did convert $9.85 million of Waller's $17 million 2023 base into signing bonus which does free up about $7.86 million in cap stage, which was a very smart move from that Giants personnel office and just kind of redistributing the dollars to allow for some more flexibility. You see one of the best in the game that does this is Howie Roseman. He's constantly restructuring, constantly reallocating dollars. So that way that there's more room against the cap and he can, you know, add more pieces where he needs to. 
And I think that's a great move by Joe Shane and his team there. Um, the Giants were able to retain Darius Slayton, um, who was a later round pick out of Auburn a few years ago and has been, he had a great rookie season then kind of slumped a little bit, but was able to come back last year and, and contribute to the team. I like the guy. I don't think he's a first. I think he's a third on other teams. He looks more like a first for us because of where our wide receiver room is at, but I'm glad that we were able to keep him. It was an economical deal on for the Giants, so I'm happy with that. The Giants also added Paris Campbell and Jeff Smith. Here's the thing. Um, right now, it, it appears that the wide receiver room is kind of like a group of these above average guys. We also, you know, kept um, Sterling Shepard, who is the longest tenure giant on this team. Um, and he's not what he used to be, um, especially he's coming off another injury. But the room feels very above average, I think is okay. Like, there's a lot of good pieces here. And, and even though they might be above average overall players, they all have different qualities that stand out. And hopefully that the coaching staff can build a scheme that really highlights their best characteristics. Um, and then that is makes that the offense more efficient and gives DJ that these stronger weapons. Um, I will say like the giants are still in a building process. So I think adding these above average receivers is, is a good move right now. Um, most top receivers are locked up anyway and will cost too much money. The giants don't have that cap space. So I think kind of building out this receiving core with the, and making it, you know, above average, adding some more, guys here and there, um, adding some guys. I mean, these guys can definitely return and, and add on special teams as well, um, which I think was a, a challenging spot for the Giants, finding a really solid, trustworthy return man um, to return punts, return kickoffs. Um, so I think that's an, that's a good move. And then not in this year's draft, because it honestly is not a great draft, but in next year's draft, you take the best available wide out and you get your guy. You know, you get your Justin Jefferson, if you will. And last thing here, I was really, really, really hoping that we could keep Julian Love. But this just in, he has signed a two-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks. And I am pretty bummed about it. I loved watching Julian Love. He's not an excellent player but he's just a jack of all trades great character guy can do a lot of the things you want him to do played strong safety back with Xavier McKinney for a lot of the season and just just a really solid all-around defensive player and oh I'm gonna miss him that's a tough one I really really thought that we could make that deal work I really don't want to lose him but I always really liked the way he played he's Comes up in the box, a great tackler, smart player. He'll do well for Seattle. So I will be watching him in a new uniform and really bummed that we couldn't keep him around. So moving on from the Giants, um, I want to address some of the biggest moves that have happened thus far in free agency. A big, big one is Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets, which is something that I never thought that I would say. Um the deal is not official yet. Rogers said that he, quote-unquote, on the Pat McAfee show, he said that he, quote-unquote, intends to sign with the Jets. Once again, no pen to paper has happened yet. Um, currently, 
they are working on compensation with the Packers, basically trying to figure out what the Packers would want in return for Rodgers. And then in addition, Rodgers did go to the Jets and said, I want some of my guys here. He did have a wish list, uh, including Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, who are his guys. And OBJ was on that list as well. I think OBJ is not that attainable at the moment, seeing he's asking for $20 million, where Stefan Diggs doesn't even make $20 million a year. So I think OBJ might have to come down a little with his request. But that being said, the Jets did lock up Alan Lazard for Rodgers. So now Rodgers has a variety of weapons, being Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, and now Alan Lazard. Um, the thing is, when when a guy who could potentially make your team a championship team it is going to come to you, you do anything you can to make him happy, to appease him. I know that when I worked for the Bucks and we brought in, we brought in Brady, Brady ended up having a lot of say um, because, one, he had won many times before. Two, he knew how to have a winning culture. And three, we wanted to make him happy, truly. And we wanted him to have the weapons that he wanted. So that way the team was functioning in the best way possible. I think a similar thing is happening here. I do think that Rodgers and Brady are very different people and that Rodgers is not necessarily the same type of culture setter that Brady is. Um, However, he is one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play the game. He is a huge upgrade from what they have been working with. He's definitely well-respected in terms of the way he plays the game. And he will step in and make this team infinitely better. Um, I do think that he is using that to his advantage, that the Jets kind of will do anything to appease him at the moment and make sure that he does sign that deal. But it is going to be very interesting, assuming that this deal does go through, to see Rodgers in a New York Jets jersey. Um, And then, you know, seeing how long that this deal ends up being, you know, how many years is he really going to play? And then, you know, that continues to lead the question of who's the actual future for the Jets. So it is very exciting for Jets fans that they could be getting one of the greatest of all time. Um, however, there is still that question mark of long-term, but I think the Jets do have a lot of pieces that they can win now. They have a very solid young defense. They have some very good offensive weapons, so I do think this is a good landing spot for Rodgers. The next thing that was a big move um, that has draft implications this year is the Bears-Panthers trade. A lot of people were talking about, oh, what are the Bears going to do with the number one overall pick? I was in the camp that they should trade down. I think that they should really try to continue to develop Justin Fields. I think he shows a lot of promising traits. I think he is a very athletic guy. I think he's a good character guy. I think he's a good leader. I think that they should continue to work with him and put him in the best situation to win. So I was always a fan of them trading down, getting more picks, building out their team to help Justin Fields in these situations. And they found trade partner for that. So the Bears doled out their number one pick to the Panthers, who will most likely take the quarterback. And the Bears received wide receiver DJ Moore, plus a slew of draft picks that Bears GM Ryan Poles can put to good use. So not only are the Bears getting a great weapon in wide receiver DJ Moore that will help with um, that will help Justin Fields and help stretch the field for that offense, 
but they have a lot of picks to work with down the line, which I think is super important in continuing to build your team. The Panthers also um, reached a deal with Miles Sanders, which has some implications for Philly. So Sanders is leaving a Philly QB room that now looks like Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell. Rashad Penny is the new name in that room. He came from Seattle. He has a history of injuries, so that can be a little worrisome, but the deal was extremely cost-effective for Philly. Pretty sure that they factored that in when they were signing this deal, so something were to happen. It's not a huge cost hit for Philly. However, this running back room is a little lacking compared to others. However, I do think that the Eagles have a good enough line to make this work, and in that, to help continue keeping this line as good as it has been, Jason Kelsey announced that he is returning. A lot of people thought that he might decide to retire after this run, this season, um, but he said that he's going to come back. So that was good news for the Eagles in terms of continuing to make sure that they have this dominant O-line, which they do. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback situation here. So there were um, a, quite a few quarterbacks who's, who were going into free agency and a lot of teams that had open landing spots. So the Saints came in and decided to ink Derek Carr. They are essentially saying that we think you're our quarterback right now. They also re-signed Jameis Winston to keep in that backup spot. And then, of course, Taysom Hill is still there. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how they work that all in, how they used Eric Carr and Taysom Hill together. Um, I think that is a good move. I think that they that what the contract came out to be was the right amount for Derek Carr. Um, I do think that I'm excited to see him on a different team. I think that he struggled with the Raiders. I think he had a couple flashes of good good seasons, um, a couple flashes of some good games, but I think he needs a new environment, some new weapons, some new coaching, and I do think that he has a lot of potential. The Raiders were left quarterback list, so they came in and they snagged Jimmy Garoppolo. They signed him to a decent short-term deal. He's definitely like a short-term solution at quarterback. He's decent. We've seen him start for a few years now with the 49ers. He can get by, um, and I think that's what they need right now. I don't think that they are expecting to win a championship right now. Um, I think that this is a, a good solution, like I was saying, in the short term while you're figuring out the long term. I do want to talk about San Francisco and what they're doing at quarterback. So they obviously got hand, handed a very bad hand um, last season with quarterback. So started out with... Trey Lance, who was a very high pick for them a couple years ago that they traded up for, he gets hurt, season-ending injury. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, replaces him, also gets hurt, and then who comes in? Brock Purdy, this guy that no one has ever heard of. He ends up impressing a lot of people. They make it to the playoffs with him. And then he ends up getting hurt in the playoffs. And then you bring in Josh Johnson, who, you know, has bounced around the league for a long time. And 
you know, unfortunately, it just did not end well for the 49ers this year. So they have a bit of a question mark at quarterback. They signed Sam Darnold to a one-year deal, which I think is smart. Um, Sam Darnold is still very young. He's only 25. Um, he was, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he was put in a lot of bad situations, starting with the Jets, moving to the Panthers. I don't think that he was ever developed properly. It might be a little too late, but I also don't think that he is a bad player. Um, that being said, I think it gives a little bit of fallback for the 49ers that if Trey Lance doesn't pan out or Brock Purdy doesn't pan out, you still have a guy to fall back on who has been in this league, who has started. who And, you know, Shanahan is a very great offensive mastermind who has excellent run schemes, who uses a lot of screen plays in his game. So you can kind of plug in an above average quarterback as we have seen and still be successful. So I think this was just a good safety net for them. And the Buccaneers decided to sign Baker Mayfield to a one-year deal. Didn't pay a lot for him. Kind of just a holdover, I think, while they figure it out. They do have Kyle Trask, who they took in the second round two years ago. Um, but I don't think that he's starting material. Obviously, with Brady's retirement, they need to figure out what's next for them. And this is like a good holdover, as I said. Um, Baker has shown flashes of good potential, especially the first year that Kevin Stefanski came to the Browns. That was a very good year for Baker. I think if they work with him, they can get a good year out of him as well. And then the last quarterback that I want to talk about here is Lamar Jackson. This is a huge storyline. Lamar and the Ravens really tried to negotiate a long-term deal. They couldn't reach an agreement. So the Ravens put a non-exclusive tag on him, which means that a player can continue to negotiate with other teams. And if they get an offer, their current team has the opportunity to match. But if they, that current team opts to not match the offer, um, they are entitled to receive draft picks in exchange. So essentially, Lamar Jackson is like held by the Ravens right now, but he can negotiate with other teams. But it's very strange that there are teams that are two new need quarterbacks and, and need a guy that are not choosing not to negotiate. Um, I think Atlanta is one of them. I think Washington is definitely one of them. Washington um, no longer has Tyler Heineke, who is now in Atlanta, but I don't think that he's a long-term solution for Atlanta either. And then you have Jacoby Brissett, who has been, you know, around this league for a long time. The commander signed him. But I think the commanders are kind of stuck in this, like, signing a vet and it not working out. Um, and they really need to find a true guy. So I'm not really sure why there is this, like, stall with Jackson getting offers. But, um, I mean, if he doesn't get any and the, they, the Ravens stick to this tag on him, I mean, I think the Ravens get lucky there because... Um, without him, they're kind of screwed as well. So I think just something to keep an eye on there. I think obviously both sides want to come to a long-term agreement. I think that they're just not, I think they're just still very far apart in terms of negotiations. Um, With free agency, of course, there are always some record-setting deals. So former Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, he landed a very big deal with the Bears. He got paid. And then Jesse Bates, former 
Bengal, who is a safety, he gets the third highest deal in NFL history for a safety with Atlanta, which I think that was a huge deal when that came through. I saw the ESPN update in my phone and went, wow, it's a lot of money for a safety. But I mean, he's a great safety. Um, but I do think that is very interesting in terms of how the market is now going to be set for that position. And with that thought in mind, free agency definitely like resets the bar for the market for certain positions, especially now that the cap is slightly higher. So we, you can kind of raise the uh, monetary amount on these contracts. Um, I do think that this year, the tight end end markets were falling below the norm. Typically, pass rushers get a lot of money and they help set the tone for free agency. Um, they normally can ink very big deals. That was not happening this year. They fell a little bit below what the average um, edge rusher, average top edge rushers currently making. And then also tight end markets, you're seeing that these deals have not been as lucrative as they have been in the past, which is just something interesting to know in terms of what positions may now be setting the scale. I mean, obviously quarterback is up there, but you know we saw with Devontae Adams deal that that was setting a new standard for the wide receiver market. Um, now we're seeing you know, this this a deal for Jesse Bates. You know that's the safety market. Corners can normally make a good amount of money. Um, so it's it's just interesting to keep an eye on that to see how free agency can dictate the market and what positions will dictate the market. The market. Another thing that I want to touch on is a little bit of running back movement. The Cowboys paid Tony Pollard, who I do think is the better back. Um, I do think that Zeke had his time, but I think Pollard is the better back. I think he's shown he's the better back. He's more versatile. He's quicker. He can play in base and sub. Um, I think making him your number one is, is a smart move. Um, and then in that, they cut Zeke. Zeke was taking up a lot of cap space. Um, Jerry Jones had this, like, really, really loved him and in 2019 signed him to this huge, huge deal and it did not pay off. He was signing him, I think, based on what he thought he, the potential of all these years that he could be and it ended up not panning out, which is a risk you take when you do sign these huge long-term deals and he was taking up a ton of cap space. Um, so Cunningham released almost $11 million in the cap for the Cowboys that leaves the question of what is the best landing spot for Zeke. And this is dependent on how much money he will accept. And I don't think he deserves a lot of money. I don't think he will get a lot of money. I just don't think he's that player anymore. And he really hasn't shown that he should be. Um, at least in recent seasons. So I think that some of the best landing spots for Zeke in terms of fit and uh, where their roster is at right now is the Chargers. Um, this is dependent on if they end up moving Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler requested a trade and he was granted that trade request. So if something happens there, they have a hole. I also think the Eagles could be a, a landing spot. We covered the Eagles running back room earlier. There isn't really a guy in that room. Rashad Penny, there's a little bit of you know, worry there with his injuries and apprehension. And then otherwise you have Boston Scott who, you know, is like this practice squad, you know, Cinderella story. Um, and he's definitely very quick and, and can be used in certain situations, but I don't think he's your number. He's like a guy, he, or I would say he's your number one go-to. Um, I think that 
Zeke could help a little bit there. And then also Atlanta. Atlanta has a very strange running back room right now. Um, right now, slated top of their depth chart is a fifth-round pick in 2022 who showed flashes, but this room could definitely use some help if the price is right. Let's just reiterate that Zeke's final play as a Cowboy was that very, very strangely drawn-up final play in the playoffs against the 49ers where he was the lone offensive lineman lined up and he just got absolutely destroyed so (laughs) that's not a great ending for him in Dallas but it was time to part ways and then the last thing I want to touch on that was a big move that the Bengals made and a very smart move for the Bengals is they signed Pro Bowl tackle Orlando Brown which I mean seriously the Bengals need some help with protecting Joe Burrow they said that they helped boost his protection last year It didn't really look like it. So I think this is a very smart signing um, for them there. So guys, that is your free agency frenzy within 30 minutes. Look at that. Look how I did that. But anyway, there's a lot still to be monitored. There's a lot still happened. Um, Anything can happen, which is super exciting. Still some things to keep an eye on. And we will see what happens. We have an awesome guest next week, and we're going to talk some WNBA, which is super cool. Oh, forgot to add, now that I remember, that we are talking um, WNBA. We're we're specifically talking Liberty. You know, the fact that Darren Waller got triggered into the Giants, and he just married Kelsey Plum. Maybe the Liberty could acquire her. That would be really sick. I mean, they already got the big three in New York, which we will talk about. Just adding Kelsey Plum would be awesome. So who knows? Anything can happen. So we will see you guys next week. You guys know where to find us. Next one up pod at gmail.com. Next one up podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter.